Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. This episode is called Managing Expectations, Making Good on Promises. First, a word from our sponsor. Microacquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace. It is simply the most efficient way to sell a startup when you're ready to make your next move. And as a bootstrap founder, you just invariably run into a time when you may think about selling your business. And whether it's new opportunities knocking at the door or another passion project taking off or just having some life changes. And in the case of Christopher Tung, founder of Reporty, the Shopify app that sends various order notifications to Slack, what led him to decide to sell his app was a life change in the form of a new baby boy. When it came to selling his app, other platforms didn't have great visibility for Microsoft businesses like his, but Microacquire was different and offered a diverse range of buyers with an appetite for startups like Reporty. After listing on Microacquire, Chris fielded up to a 40 buyer offers and ultimately found the right buyer for a five-figure exit at a 5x ARR multiple. And if you think about selling your startup, like Chris, and don't fit the exact built list on other marketplaces, Microacquire could be the best option for you. The buyer community cultivated by Microacquire has the appetite for smaller apps and micro SaaS businesses, as well as bigger e-commerce and SaaS startups doing millions in revenue. Having helped hundreds of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume, Microacquire is just still getting started. Check out Microacquire if you're thinking about testing the market at microacquire.com. And now, let's get started. Expectation management. What is that? It sure sounds like mind control to me. And I don't think my expectations are anything that somebody else can manage, really. Nobody can dive into my mind and magically alter what I believe will happen. So the only thing you can do to impact what I expect is to make promises. And there is a fundamental difference between a promise and an expectation, and that is agency. A promise is something you can directly impact. You fulfill it or you don't. An expectation is something you can neither see nor directly affect. And often, you wouldn't even really know what others, like your prospective customers, might expect of you. I would argue that most of the time, these people don't even know for themselves what their expectations are. They have sentiments, sure, and their choices give an indication of the underlying expectations, but rarely anyone ever verbalizes these things. So when founders want to understand and serve their customers, how do we best go about it? It starts with understanding how human beings create their expectations, what they're influenced by, and how promises can shift them. Let's take a closer look at both of these concepts. Let's talk about expectations. At its core, an expectation is a belief that something is likely to happen. It doesn't have to be realistic. I expect that the singularity, when AI takes over, will occur in the century. Some people agree with this, some vehemently oppose that idea, that doesn't matter for me to hold this expectation. It's mine, and it's built on top of many other things that I hold for true. But let's go with something simpler. I expect to be able to fire up my barbecue in the next week. Temperatures around here have gotten better, and it looks like it's soon time for Germ German's highest spring ritual, the Angrillen, 
which means starting the barbecue for the first time in a new year. But if I have to wait for another month or so, because of a few obnoxiously persistent clouds in the sky, my expectation will result in disappointment. Or maybe the weather changes while I'm saying this and the unexpected happens and I get to fire up the grill later today. That would be a surprise. These two consequential emotions are important to note. You'll need them later when it comes to making solid promises. But where does an expectation come from? And for our purposes as professional problem solvers, how can we understand our prospective customers' expectations better? We need to take into account the experience, the bias, and wishful thinking. We'll talk about all three today. Let's start with experience. Everything is contextual. If you're opening up a new bakery, people don't have an abstract notion of what good bread is and then expect you to bake it for them. This morning, they had good bread because somebody else had baked good bread for them. Their definition of good bread depends on who else is baking around you and what kinds of bread they have and which kinds of bread they have found to resonate in their market. This is true for every business. If you start a digital spreadsheet business, people expect it to work like Excel. If you build a new kind of electric guitar, people still want to plug in this regular instrument cable that they already use. No business exists in a vacuum. No product works without connecting with the living reality of its customers. And that reality is full of context, which itself is highly subjective. And that's what bias is about, because over time, experience turns into bias. If you're a car mechanic, and for months every other customer drives in with a Ford F-150 that has suspension problems, then you might think that Ford had a faulty production line, because it seems to affect so many trucks. But you might be forgetting that you're operating your garage in the country where there are way more trucks in general. And maybe last year, heavy rains washed out the road in a popular intersection or something like that, and that's now causing the trucks using it to put a lot more stress on the suspension, which causes the damage that you now have to repair. What we see and how we reason about it is often highly subjective. We come up with explanations and mental models for the world around us, and they usually won't stand up to scrutiny. But until we have understood them to be wrong, until we prove ourselves wrong, we won't change our ways easily. So when we talk about business, this results in the problematic dynamic. No matter what we promise our prospects, they have a fairly established expectation of what awaits them. What might the mechanic with the F-150 problem think is wrong with the next F-150 that rattles its way into their garage? Well, they will expect a suspension problem. The more anecdotal evidence our prospects have gathered, the less flexible they'll be in what the world around them will and should look like. The solution to this is to understand the biases of our customers and alleviate them through recontextualization. This sounds complicated, but it boils down to using the yes and method. Your customer is never wrong. Their experience is valid and real, and it has helped them to be good at what they do so far. What you can offer now is an additional, expansive perspective. Yes, you can send your documents to each other in emails, sure. And this will leave a great paper trail in your inboxes and you can access it from any device. Wonderful. And here is a web-based solution for you that does the same thing, but adds reporting and versioning features that integrates more easily with your existing systems and it's compatible with your current email workflow. 
Now this is a promise that expands on an expectation without negating it. It's the part of a good sales pitch grounded in your prospect's experience reality. Now let's talk about the other part. Let's talk about wishful thinking. When it comes to technology, most people think that everything is possible if only enough resources are thrown at the problem. And that translates into inflated expectations about not just what you should offer, but also how quickly it should be built. It's the ever infuriating, oh, but it's just another button, how long can it take? kind of argument that web developers always get. Just because it looks simple doesn't mean it's quickly realized. So expectation management, therefore, only makes sense when it's internal and subjective. Only I can manage my expectations. And that only really works when I intentionally orchestrate them. You can't change them. You won't change mine. You can only make me change those expectations myself. But you can certainly encourage me to change my mind. Because wishful thinking goes both ways. We imagine things that are almost impossible to create. People have always been fascinated by jetpacks for some reason over the last decade, but I have yet to find a starter jetpack in the store. But we also wish for things that are definitely possible, like a better way of dealing with emails or ways to coordinate virtual meetings. These tools exist. These problems can be and have been solved. As founders, it is up to us to educate our prospects that their wishes have already been fulfilled. To be able to do this, we need to first understand what exactly they wish for. It's something we cannot guess. And this is the part where we need to talk to our prospective customers. In empathy-based interviews, for example, we can listen to their perception of the world surrounding them, how they see it work. And if we ask them to talk about it without pitching our ideas, just listening, we can get a very clear external perspective from which we can look at our own offering. And this is the second part of a good promise. In addition to matching our prospects' past experiences, it needs to expand on their hopes for the future. It fits their initial expectations and then shapes them to go even further. So what makes a good promise? How can we then impact the expectation of others? It is in making and then fulfilling promises that we get to shift expectations into aligning others with our goals and offerings. And every great story out there has a plot that starts with a promise. The farmer boy sets out to save the princess. And throughout the book, progress is made. The farmer turns out to even learn how to use magic, or in this case, rather, the ways of the force, and then finds a wise mentor to help them find the princess. But, oh no, there is much more at stake. And finally, the story culminates in the payoff, and the princess is saved. And here's the twist with this story. The story of Luke Skywalker doesn't just end with him saving Princess Leia. George Lucas actually employs a really sweet trick here, and we can learn from that. That's called plot expansion. We were promised that he would rescue the princess and deliver the Death Star schematics to the Rebellion, right? That's the initial promise. Well, it turns out that the payoff is much more significant. Luke single-handedly blows up the Death Star. We are stunned to see that the simple farm boy could grow into such a mighty hero. And that is why Star Wars works so well as a story. It starts with an already ambitious promise that gets over-delivered on. And that's what makes a good promise. Under-promise and over-deliver. You can make this happen in several ways. You start by skipping the what and showing the how. Just use specific adjectives when you talk about it instead of generic one. You're not the world's most efficient podcast recording tool. That's saying nothing at all. 
How about a collaborative podcast recording service that cuts down your editing, editing time by 50%? So much clearer. Showing the impact, the how of your product and how it will make things easier is a much better scope promise. Also employ subtle education. Telling our prospects that their expectations are wrong is a pretty lousy way to start a relationship. So instead, don't claim that your product will change the way somebody does their job because people don't want that because they are, what they do is based on experience, on decades of experience in that job. But you can nudge them to make small improvements to their process over time. Don't promise that things will be different because people don't want different. They want easier. Make it easy for them to change their own ways and their expectations will shift towards recognizing your solution as the best way to solve the problem. Employ consistent brand communication. Trust is slowly built but quickly lost. In your public and private interactions with your customers, put a lot of effort into being consistently supportive and be helpful and kind. If you expect your customers to trust your promises, do everything you can to leave traces of your trustworthiness in public. And intentional positioning also counts. Because much has been written about positioning and at its core, it's really just about clarifying what you're offering, who it's for and who it's not. If you're building like a niche Google Docs alternative, you're not building the next spreadsheet. You're a Google Docs alternative for online marketers. Give people something to compare it with. Limit the scope of your promise to allow people to self-select into and out of your audience. What matters when you make promises is that you keep them. It's easier to keep a limited promise and then delight your prospects with an even better experience than to overpromise and disappoint. But even with the best intentions and promises to match, you'll end up with surprises that throw a wrench in the relationship between you and your prospective customer. Let's talk about unwelcome surprises here at this point. No business operates in a vacuum. We're surrounded by institutions that regulate the industries in which we operate. And sometimes that means that we can promise something that can't be realized within the legal framework any longer. Privacy laws are a good example of this. Advertising giants like Google have been hit majorly by these laws in the recent past, and their tracking analytics products, they have suffered. And while privacy-friendly players have been benefited immediately and immensely from this, it's an example of a promise that was broken by a third party. Regulation changes can often result in that. And so can the moves that your competitors make. Sometimes it's not any single competitor, but a whole industry that shifts the expectation frameworks within that particular industry. I'm a huge fan of painting miniatures. It's a great hobby, I've been doing it for ages, but it used to be expensive because the makers of these finely detailed miniatures, they claimed that they'd need to charge quite a bit of money to maintain the high quality. And that was understood and accepted in the hobby field for the longest time. It's just an expensive hobby. And then came 3D printers. Suddenly, similar quality products can be created by hobbyists in their own basements for a fraction of the cost. Now, that's a promise that was broken by a technological quantum leap. And whatever the reason is for a broken promise, you need to ensure that it doesn't stay broken for too long. Beyond the initial damage control, which in business terms really just means compensating for the erosion of trust in whatever way you find, new and updated promises need to be established. Your best bet is to regularly schedule a promise checkup. Look at your landing page and all your other marketing materials through the lens 
of the implied promises that you're making. Are you still fulfilling them? Is your roadmap still aligned with them? Which promises should be altered to adequately reflect where your business and its products are now and where are they going? This should, at the very least, be a yearly exercise. You need to keep these things updated. And if you have to change core business promises, you will need to tell your customers. Their expectations were formed around these promises. If you don't allow them to reevaluate and reset their expectations, you're effectively committing fraud. And no professional relationship ever comes out of such a situation unharmed. Be honest, provide your reasons, and preempt outrage by carefully suggesting alternative expectation frameworks. Show your customers that you've thought about their expectations and that you have actually prepared guide rails for any changes they might need to make. Over the long term, aligning your messaging with your customers' expectations will stabilize and deepen your relationships with them. And when it comes to promises, keep a tight ship. Under promise, over deliver, and keep updating what you promise to your prospects so they can grow into customers who trust what you say because you're following through. And that is it for today. Thank you very much for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Arvid Karl, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my book, Zero to Sold, and The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course, find your following there as well. If you want to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.